Welcome back to Dauber Prospects Podcast. My name's Peter Harling. This is episode 63. And uh, today I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, rookies and the rookie race for the NHL season coming up. I'm also going to be joined by Dauber Prospects writer Braden Olofsson. He's going to talk to me about uh, the QMJHL and do a little bit of uh, season preview there like we've been doing with the other two leagues in the in the CHL, the OHL and the Dub on our last two episodes with Mason Black and Joel Henderson. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, New York Rangers' top prospects and review uh, his picks in the DPFHL fantasy draft that just happened recently as well. uh, Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, uh, thanks very much for listening for starters. And uh, do me a favor, hit the little subscribe button so you get all the episodes. Go ahead and give it a five-star review. And most importantly, uh, share it with someone. The more ears that are on it, the, the better it'll get. Uh, so, for this episode, I was thinking about looking at the top 25 or 30 uh, rookies that are called or eligible for the coming up season. Um, as fantasy drafts are coming up, a lot of people who listen to this show want to know about that kind of stuff. Um, so, I thought I'd break it down into about uh, three categories. Uh, so, you've got players that... Um, that are long shots. Then you'll have another caddy of some uh, category of some players that uh, just kind of need a break in order to win the Calder Trophy. And then you've got a the final category, which is some good bets. And then I'll do uh, an overall breaking of uh, the top 25 uh, based on fantasy projection. So in each category, in not particular any order, we're going to go through, uh, start out the, the long shots and work our way up to the sure things. So the first long shot player I want to talk about real quick is Logan Brown, Ottawa Senators uh, prospect. He's a center. He is 38% Fantrax owned. Uh, last year was his uh, first season as a, as a pro, his rookie season in pro hockey. He only played two games in the NHL with Ottawa, didn't score any points, but was fantastic in the AHL with Belleville. Uh, he had 56 uh, games played, 14 goals, 42 points. He is 21. He's a good skater, and uh, he's 6'6", 220, so he's got some really great size. And looking at his opportunity to make the sense this year uh, as a center, I think it's pretty good. Uh, he's playing behind on the depth chart, Colin White, Pajot, Chris Tierney at the center ice position. And he'll be in competition with guys like Josh Norris and Philip Klapik. Uh, so I kind of like his his odds of making the NHL this year. Uh, so long as he's able to play well and make the team at a training camp, I think that there's a job there that's his to lose based on his draft pedigree, his first season last year. Uh, and that the Sens' expectations this season should be pretty low, so it's a good opportunity to give him some uh, some quality NHL game time as a as a young man. Uh, the next player on the long shot list I would have would be uh, Evan Bouchard, defenseman with the Edmonton Oilers. He is 54% Fantrax owned. He played seven games in the NHL last year. Uh, out of his draft, he scored one goal, no assists for one point. Then he was sent back to London, where he blew up. He had 16 goals in 45 games for and 37 assists for 53 points in 45 games. Plus, he played for Canada at the World Juniors, and he had another um, three assists in five games there. So the 19-year-old's got good size, 6'3", 194. But for him to crack the Oilers roster, this is where that gets difficult for him, uh, the Oilers' blue line consists of Darnell Nurse, Oscar Clefborn, Adam Larson, Chris Russell, 
uh, Benning, and he's competing. So he's got a lot of players. There's one spot left there on the roster, barring any any signings or tradings. Uh, and then he's also got some competition just to make that final spot with Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, Dmitry Samarukov, Joel Pearson. Uh, so I think what behooves him the most would be playing the most minutes, and that would probably be in his rookie season as a pro in the AHL. So I don't think Bouchard is going to make the Edmonton Oilers this year. Uh, another player on the uh, long shots list uh, to win the, the Norris, or sorry, the Calder Trophy is Alex Nedeljkovic. He's a goalie, and he is with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's 40% owned. Uh, the 23-year-old has had a fantastic season in the AHL last year, putting up 34 wins in 51 games. Played one game in Carolina, and he won it, giving up two goals. Uh, he will be behind Peter Morazic, who seems to be the uh, starting goalie in Carolina. So that's not crazy competition. And uh, the other player there that he would be competing with for the backup position would be uh, James Reimer. Uh, so I think there's a really strong opportunity that Nadalkovic could play in the NHL this season, specifically covering injuries. And then, you know, Reimer and Mrazek aren't exactly uh, rocks. Uh, they're not super confidence-inspiring. And so there's a possibility that Nadalkovic could seize an opportunity where they play poorly and uh, and take over there. All right, so that, that's kind of it for, for long shots. Uh, moving into the category of players who would kind of need a bit of a break or, or a breakout in order to be in serious contention for um, the rookie of the year. Um, starting in Anaheim, you got Max Comtois, left winger. He's 56% fan tracks owned. Uh, so the big, strong wingers, 20 years old. He's 6'2", 207 pounds. Uh, he had an interesting season last year where he started the season in Anaheim, surprisingly made the team, uh, played 10 games, had uh, two goals and five assists for seven points, which was pretty great. Uh, plus, he had seven penalty minutes, so all you bangers and mash, keep him grossing. But after that uh, successful start to the season, he was reassigned back to junior, not AHL eligible, um, where he went to the queue, played for Drummondville, and he had uh, 48 points in 25 games, 31 goals, but only 17 assists. He was also appointed to Canada's World Junior roster, where in five games he had five goals and six assists, or six points, one assist. So not a real assist machine, uh, which is a little bit concerning, actually. You want to see a nice little balance there. So he was playing, you know, above his. Um, skill level as as a, a top player in junior he won't be a top player in the nhl he'll be playing below his his uh, skill level so not having that balance of playmaking ability is a bit of a concern for me uh so that's why i think he needs a bit of a break uh, moving on dylan dubé calgary flames prospect is 38 percent owned he's uh 21 511 187 uh he played 25 games in Calgary last year, so he's just barely eligible for the Calder, I believe. He had uh, five points in those 25 games. Not terribly impressive, but if you look at what he did in the AHL as a rookie, he had uh, 39 points in 37 games. That's uh, just over a point a game for all you math experts out there. 15 goals plus 24 assists. Um, 
he made the opening roster um, to start the season and then came back and finished it uh, because he had a concussion. So he kind of, you know, lost his roster spot to injury and had to regain his mojo in the AHL, which he certainly did. Uh, looking at his opportunity to make the roster, he's behind, um, well, he's a left winger. And if you look at Calgary's uh, wing options, you got some guys who uh, bounce back and forth from either side. But safe to say he's behind Goudreau, Kachuk, and Mangiapan. And if he's a left winger, he'll be competing with uh, Milan Lucic now as well. But uh, I feel confident saying that he'll be a full-time NHL player this year. Looking at uh, a defenseman, we go to Carolina and let's talk about Jake Bean. He is 44% Fantrax owned. He's a 21-year-old, 6 foot 1, 186, and played two games in the NHL last year with Carolina, put up donuts, um, but was a little bit more impressive, of course, in the AHL in his rookie season, 70 games, 13 goals, 31 assists for 44 points as a defenseman that's outstanding. And Carolina had a nice long playoff run, and he was uh, on the, the taxi squad, the Black Aces, for Carolina in the playoffs as well. So that just goes to show you where they, they think he's on the, the the brink of making the team, which sounds great. But then you actually look at their depth chart, and he would be playing behind established NHL players like Slavin, Falk, Pesh, Hamilton, and Van Riemsdyk. So there's five right there. And he's going to be competing for a roster spot with Gustav Forsling, Fleury, Selgren, Carrick, McEwen, and recently signed Chase Prisky. Um, so I kind of like him a little bit ahead of all those guys. He's either got a little bit more pedigree or a little bit more experience than some of them. But uh, it's going to be tough for him to crack that spot. So that's why he needs a break. Uh, another defenseman. Let's go to uh, the top free agent player signed out of Europe potentially this offseason and that would be the Detroit Red Wings successful signing of Oliver Koski uh, he is only 17% fan tracks owned and I talked about him briefly on a recent episode where I drafted him in the fifth round of my fantasy league uh, prospect draft so he's a 24 year old he's got size 6'3 190 so he's got some professional experience already coming over from the Liga in Finland where last year he had 51 points in 59 games, 19 goals and 32 assists. That is outstanding. He's also <clears throat> pretty familiar with North America, having played the 2015-16 season in the Detroit area in the NCAA for Michigan. So shouldn't be too homesick, uh, should be very familiar, and uh, should have a quick adjustment to the culture and all that. Uh, looking at his opportunity on the depth chart, Detroit not really stacked with defense, but they do have DeKaiser, Green, Namath, Hronik, Daly, Erickson, all with NHL contracts, and that's a top six right there. Plus, in order to crack that roster and knock someone out or be the first guy up when there's an injury, he's competing with Madison Bowie, Dennis Chalowski, and Joe Hicketts. So he's going to have to play really, really, really good. Um, but at a t as a 24-year-old, he's, uh, he's certainly capable. Uh, let's go back to forwards and talk about a couple wingers. Uh, let's do Owen Tippett, right wing Florida Panthers. Uh, one of their top prospects. He's 20. He's six foot one, 216 pounds, and he is 48% Fantrax owned. And he played 
seven games in the NHL, not last year, but the year before that, right out of his draft year, uh, he had one goal. And last year, he started the entire season in the OHL, and he was traded midseason from Mississauga to Saginaw. He had a very strong season, 54 games, 33 goals, 41 assists for 74 points. Um, so he was sent back down to junior work hard on his defense. He also competed with, um, he, his plus minus last year was 28 plus 28, by the way, as well. That's pretty good. Uh, he played with team Canada, of course, at the world juniors last year, and he had two goals and two assists in five games. Uh, his roster competition, he'd be playing behind Evgeny Dadanov, uh, Connolly, Hoffman, Huberto. Um, so all those a lot of those players are interchangeable on either side of the wing, but uh, look for Tibbet to be a right winger. That's where he likes to play. He's a nice, speedy, um, very good skating, tremendous shot uh, winger who likes to score on the rush. Uh, he'll be competing with Jace Haraluk, Dennis Malgin, Frank Vitrano, um, whichever way they can shake those guys up in the roster. And of course, they'll they'll move around from side to side in the third to fourth line and second line and, and so on through the season. So that's where he needs a bit of a break. He needs to uh, to get good minutes and then make something with his time while he's there to hold on to that position. Uh, the next player on the list that maybe could have been on the long shot category is Ellie Tolvanen, the Nashville Predators winger. He is 52% owned. The 20-year-old, he's only 20, um, it's 5'10", 191, and he was one of the hottest prospects a few years ago. He was just tremendous playing over in Europe, and then he had a, a breakout performance there, uh, followed that up with a really strong showing at the World Championship playing against pro hockey players. And then last year, uh, wasn't able to maintain that momentum and kind of let some of the air out of his tires. He played four games with Nashville and had two points, a goal and an assist, and then spent the rest of the season playing in the AHL. So he had a nice, long, steady run with just one team as opposed to the bouncing around between different leagues and international play. Uh, so 58 games with Milwaukee in the AHL, he scored 15 goals and 20 assists for 35 points. Hey, that's that's not bad. That's a 20-year-old player playing against men pro hockey in North America. Plus, he played for Finland in the World Junior Championship, helped them win a gold, by getting four assists and no goals in seven games. So after having a breakout World Junior the year before, he followed that up with a very disappointing four points in seven games. Uh, and so his stock has dropped a fair amount from where it was the year before. And uh, his roster competition with the wingers in Nashville, again, some of these guys would be interchangeable from either side, uh, but you've got Granlund, Forsberg, Arvidsson, Smith, and Watson as all players who I'd, I would say would be ahead of him on the depth chart. And then his competition to make a top six role in Nashville, which is where he would need to be if he's going to make it, I would say, would be guys like Grimaldi, Yarncroft, Pitlick, and Salamaki. So those guys are better suited for third and fourth line roles than Tolvanen would be. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see where, where Tolvanen ends up playing this year. Going back to defense, let's talk about a neat, one of the New York Rangers prospects, Adam Fox. He is 63% fan tracks owned. The 21-year-old's uh, 5'10", 185, so a little on the small side, but not too bad. He's coming from the NCAA. He played for Harvard in his uh, sen senior year last year, had uh, 
33 games played, 9 goals, 39 assists for 48 points. So he was more than an assist per game point producer as a defenseman. He was a Hobie Baker finalist and uh, let his uh, contract draft rights expire. Um, Originally drafted by Calgary, traded to Carolina, and then signed as a free agent with the New York Rangers. Uh, He looked really good in the NCAA and the World Junior Championships, but he did have a tour with USA at the World Championships um, in 18 and 19, where he had eight games played and and one assist, so not overwhelming there. Um, What I do, I don't like the looks of that. You know, great against NCAA, great at World Juniors, where he's one of the older players playing against his peers, but when he plays against older players at the pro, who are pro-level caliber, uh, he struggled a little bit. The depth chart in New York on defense, you've got Truba, Brady Shea, Stahl, Smith, and D'Angelo. Uh, so there's one, two, three, four, five players. So he'll be competing with uh, Luber Hayek and Rykov. So there's a position there to be had for him. Um, so we'll see if that world championship disappointing performance i didn't remember watching it i'm just looking at basically reading the point totals uh so we'll see if that is indicative of of where he's at or uh if he can make the most of of his opportunity there all right so moving on more players that need a break to be calder candidates you've got st louis blues prospect jordan kairu kiru i'm not sure how you pronounce his name he's a right wing center uh he's 44 percent fan tracks owned he's 21 six foot 175 Last year, he played uh, first-year pro, so St. Louis, he had 16 games played, but only three points, one goal and two assists. So a decent number of games, but wasn't able to really translate, um, you know, probably not getting great minutes as a rookie on the team that has depth, as evidenced by their Stanley Cup win. Uh, so most of his season was was spent in the AHL with San Antonio. 47 games played, 43 points, 16 goals, 27 assists. Uh, That's more like reminiscent of his OHL MVP performance from 2018. So for Kairou to make the roster, he's playing behind Tarasenko, Perron, Thomas, Steen, and and maybe Samuel Blyce on either left or right sides. And he'll be competing with Costin for the main competition for, for him to crack that lineup. All right, so that, oh, one more player for, uh, they need a break. And this guy's actually should be in the long shots category, my bad. Uh, Alex Barboulette, center with Tampa Bay Lightning. He's 38% owned. Undrafted player, signed by Tampa Bay as a free agent. Played his rookie season in the AHL as a pro last year in Syracuse. And put up a very impressive 68 points in 74 games, carrying over his prolific offensive scoring from the queue. A nice balance, 34 goals, 34 assists. Um, so here's the challenge with him, though. He doesn't have the draft pedigree, uh, giving him extra opportunity to make the roster. And the to make the roster, he's competing with uh, Stamkos, Point, Sorelli, and Paquette as the established top four centers. And then in order for him to crack that roster and either force one of those guys out or when there's an injury, he's competing with Mitchell Stevens, Carter Hag, and Alexei Lepinov. Uh, so his competition is is manageable, um, but for him to take over one of those roster spots is, is not looking promising right now. Another thing he does have going for him is, as we all know, Tampa Bay's pretty hard on the cap 
and they don't have a lot of wiggle room. So in order for them to to call players up and whatnot, they'd have to have uh, waiver exemption, which he does, of course, and they'd have to have a small cap hit, which he does, of course. So he's got uh, contract flexibility working for him. All right, so let's get on to the, some of the more juicier names, the good bets for players to be uh, Calder contenders for this season, guys you, you probably want to draft that might be a little bit harder to get in keeper leagues. So starting with uh, the Ducks, uh, they've got Sam Steele at center. He is 58% owned, 21-year-olds, 5'11", 186. Split time last season between the Ducks and the Gulls in the AHL. So in his 22 games in the NHL, he had six goals and five assists for 11 points. Uh, half a point a game, that is very good. And in San Diego, he was much closer to a point per game with 41 points in 53 games. Uh, I would say he's got a roster spot. It's his to lose. He's playing behind Getzlaff and, and competing with Henrique for the uh, second-line center, but he's at least third-line center in Anaheim this season. Um, other players that would be pushing him for that second- or third-line position could be guys like Shore or Grant and maybe eventually Isaac Lundstrom. Uh, next player that's a good bet to be called irrelevant would be Martin Nekash. Carolina Hurricanes, center or right wing, depending on who you ask. He's got uh, 47% fan tracks ownership, so he's less than 50% owned. The 20-year-old, 6'2", 189, played seven games in the NHL with Carolina last year, but only put up two points. Disappointing as a pro rookie, right? Not so fast. In the AHL, he had 52 points in 64 games to lead the league in rookie scoring, plus Charlotte, the Carolina Hurricanes AHL affiliate, won the Calder Cup championship, uh, and he had a very large contribution to that, posting 13 points in 18 games. So what does his roster competition look like? It's actually pretty difficult. Uh, he'll be playing behind Tara Vinen, Svechnikov, Niederreier, and Dezingle, of course. Uh, if you look at him as a left, or sorry, a right winger, um, it's easier for rookies to make the NHL on the wing than it is a center. Assuming Tara Vinen and Niederreier are playing on the left side, that makes his competition Svech and Dezingle. Uh, so probably third line. And then his competition for the third line or, or, or roster spot would be players like Jordan Martinuk, uh, Sacramento Linen, maybe Warren Fogle, Jamie McGinn. So he's got some pretty tough competition. I like Carolina. I think they have a nice, uh, good depth on their roster. Uh, so his challenge is his competition. Okay, moving on. Next guy I have on my list is Columbus Blue Jackets uh, winger Alex Texier. He is 69% owned. The Frenchman came over to North America at the end of last season. The 20-year-old is six foot one eighty-seven. He had uh, two games in the regular season. He had one goal. Uh, but where he really stood out was in the playoffs with Columbus as they played two rounds. And he got into eight games. And he had uh, two goals and assists for three points. Looked very good playing on, uh, on Columbus in the playoffs for John Tortorella, no less. Um, last season, he played the bulk of his season in the Liga. 55 games. Uh, had 41 points. Um played the end of the season in the AHL as well. He had seven points in seven games there. 
and plus he played in the World Championship for France, so he had a very impressive season, and he obviously made a really good impression with Tortorella and the Blue Jackets in his time at the end of the season with them. He'll be playing uh, behind Gustav Nyquist and probably Felino on the left side, and his competition for a third-line winger will come from guys like possibly Bjorkstrand, Anderson, Bemstrom, Milano. Uh, so it remains to be seen if, if, if he's able to hold on to a, a top nine position in Columbus. Uh, not the only Columbus prospect, though, that might be competing for Calder. They've got Elvis Merzlinkins, uh, the goalie. He is 75% owned. He'll be making his North American debut. So the 6'3", 183-pound, 25-year-old Latvian is coming over from the Swiss League. Uh, he was two years in a row the top goalie there, and he was starring for Latvia at the World Championships. Uh, hard to say. I haven't really seen a lot of him play so far, but outside of World Championships and World Juniors. Uh, but Corpusalo would, I think, be the default starting goalie there, perhaps. They'll be definitely in competition for it. And if one of them falters, they'll get push from uh, other prospects that Columbus has in their system, like uh, Veni Vahalainen, who you may know I'm a big fan of. All right, uh, let's uh, move up the list a little bit here. Another player I've spoke about many, many times on this podcast, Tara Horozzi. Another uh, free agent signing by the Detroit Red Wings. So they have two coup free agent signings, Oliver Kasky and um, Tara Horozzi. Tararozzi is clearly the most um, coveted NHL, or sorry, NCAA free agent to come into the NHL this season and possibly uh, ever. I mean, excluding players who were drafted and then played their full four years in the NCAA and then became free agents. Um, Tararozzi was never drafted. So I guess you could argue that the best undrafted NCAA free agent. signing of all time would be Tyler Bozak and Tara Rosie definitely has an, op- an opportunity and has the ability to challenge that. He is only 43% fan tracks owned and he had a great uh, start to his NHL career last year, debuting in the last 10 games of the season with the Wings, posting a goal and six assists for seven points. Seven points in 10 games is not too shabby. Uh, his AHL, or Sorry, NCAA stats with Michigan last year were 50 points in 36 games. Uh, so the left winger will be playing behind Tyler Bertuzzi, who looks like he's probably the first-line left winger, and he'll be competing with guys like Zadina, uh, Helm, maybe Rasmussen if they shift him to the wing. So it looks like Tarahorozzi should be a pretty solid bet for a top-six line in Detroit this year. Uh, speaking of his competition, Philip Zadina is also on this list. Detroit Red Wings left wing right wing prospect is 54% owned he's only 19 years old compared to Tara Hirose's 23 so you give Tara Hirose perhaps the edge being a little bit older and stronger and more mature uh, but I think I like the keeper league long-term upside of Philip Zedina more than Tara Hirose. Uh Zedina did play his first season in pro North American hockey last year nine games in the NHL scored one goal had three points and then uh, spent the majority of the season in the AHL, where he looked good. 59 games, had 16 goals, 19 assists for 35 points. Uh, his roster competition is, if you look at him as a right winger, uh, he's definitely behind Mantha and Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, he'll be competing with 
Evgeny Svechnikov, Justin Albuquerque, uh, Luke Glendening, players of that ilk. Uh, so I'm not sure if this is the year where Zadina makes a full-time play on the roster in Detroit. Uh, he might get a cup of coffee or have a couple long looks there, but um, the best is yet to come with him. All right, continuing with good bet players, uh, Ryan Paling, Montreal Canadian center on the Bob McKenzie episode. This was his go-to player for uh, rookies who will have a, a strong first season and be Calder contender. He's only 49% owned, so just under that 50% mark. 20-year-old, 6'2", 183, had a very memorable NHL debut at the end of last season with Montreal where his one game, he had a hat trick, and I'm pretty sure he scored the shootout winner too. Um, very, very impressive game. Uh, he also was a star uh, with the USA World Junior Championship team where he had eight points, five goals and three assists in seven games with USA. Uh, but his NCAA stats were, uh, actually, they're pretty good too. But he only had eight goals, 23 assists, so 31 points in 36 games. So the challenge with him as a center is going to be to crack the Canadians roster. I think I like Domi, Kotkaniemi, and Philip Deneau as the top three. Do you really want to put a uh, 20-year-old rookie as your fourth-line center in the NHL? Maybe, maybe not. But his competition for that job would be Pekka, Suzuki, Cousins, Thompson. Uh, so to be sure, Ryan Paling will get some time in the NHL this year. It's just a question of how many games and... Um, if he's able to stick on a roster spot, can he maintain that uh, prolific scoring uh, pace? I don't mean three goals a game, but um, you know, would it be possible for him to put up 40 points? Maybe. Uh, next player on the list, Vitaly Kravtsov. Going to the New York Rangers again. He's a right winger, just under 50% owned fan tracks at 48. Uh, the 19-year-old is rewarding the Rangers for rolling the dice on the Russian, and they drafted him, some people thought, a little early, uh, thinking perhaps that he might be a while before he leaves Russia to come to the NHL, but whoop, here he is. Uh, the 19-year-old, 6'3", 181. Nice size there. 50 games in the KHL last year. He had 8 goals and 21 points, plus played for Russia at the World Juniors, where he had 6 points in 7 games there. Right wing. He's definitely behind Bushnevich and probably behind Kapokako. Uh, the other competition he'll have for a roster spot would come from uh, Fast and Letary. So it's very probable that he's going to play um, prominent minutes for the Rangers this season. I really like his, his potential there. Uh, so let's talk about another defenseman. Ottawa Senators acquired Eric Brandstrom in the stone trade with Vegas last year. He's got a 75% Fantrax ownership. 20-year-old defenseman uh, made his first season in the AHL last year. Uh, he also had a two-game look with the Senators near the end of the year. Uh, didn't put up any points in those two games. But in the AHL... He had uh, 50 games played, 32 points. That's very impressive. I'm fairly certain that he is going to be playing in Ottawa this season. Um, the depth chart in Ottawa is not too challenging. He's got uh, Shabbat and Zaitsev, I think, are locked on the top pairing there. And now his competition to make the roster on the other four spots comes from Wolanin, DeMello, Barvietsky, Hainsey. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so I really like Brandstrom to get a bit trial by fire in the NHL playing on a poor team with the Sens next year. 
Uh, talking about a player who's got the exact opposite pl- uh, problem and coming from his former team, Cody Glass, center with the Vegas Golden Knights. He is 52% fan tracks owned. He's 20 years old, 6'2", 176, highly uh, drafted prospect, first player drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. He played in Portland last year in the WHL, and he put up a whopping 69 points in 38 games, 15 goals, 54 assists. And then he played for Canada at the World Juniors, where he had another six points in five games for them. And then he finished the season in the AHL uh, with Chicago, where he had five points, three goals, and two assists in six games. And then he had another 22 games played in the playoffs, where he put up seven goals for and 15 points in the playoffs. So he has proven to be able to score uh, at any level uh, and looks NHL ready. The challenge, though, is he plays for a good team. And he's got to compete with uh, Carlson, Stastny, and Eakin, who's their top three centers in Las Vegas. And then his competition after that, though, gets a little bit softer. Nick Roy um, and then LeCision. So is a very strong chance that he'll be playing third or fourth line uh, center with Vegas this year. And now moving on to the locks. So these are guys who I think should be locks to have... uh, Strong roster positions, um, playing for uh, teams that are going to put them in a position to put up a lot of points. Uh, and surprisingly, there's a lot of defense on this list. Starting with Kale McCarr, Colorado Avalanche, right shot defenseman. He is 98% fan tracks owned, so almost positive that he's got in your league, but he's got to make my list. 20-year-old, uh, made his NHL debut last year at the end of the season in the playoffs where he put up six points in 10 games and just dominated the NCAA last year 49 points in 41 games as a defenseman and he looked equally competent uh, playing at the NHL level in the playoffs his depth chart options are not very intimidating you've got uh, Johnson on the right side Uh, he's a right shot defenseman that's the only player who's ahead of him on the depth chart Uh, left shot defenseman you've got Zadorov and Girardi so Kael McCarr could arguably be the number one defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche this year Uh, another defenseman making my list who's only 45% fan tracks owned this is shockingly low is Dante Fabro Right shot defenseman with Nashville Predators. 21-year-old, his 6 feet, 189. Let's see. He had one point in his four-game NHL debut last year with Nashville, but he played the season in uh, BU his senior year, I believe, and he put up 33 points in 38 games. He also played for Canada at the World Junior Championships where he put up uh, three points in nine games. And the fact that Nashville moved out Subban... Um, I think it was two reasons. One, they were able to free up that contract space and cap space, I mean. And, and that was made possible because they're confident that Dante Fabro is, is good to go. He's good to play top four minutes in the NHL. So the right shot defenseman is uh, behind Ryan Ellis on the right side. And on the left side, you've got uh, Roman Yossi and Ekholm. And then the competition is Hamus and Santini. So I really like him to have a, a lock on a, on a roster spot in Nashville and 
The only right shot defenseman that's ahead of him is Ryan Ellis. So plenty of opportunity for him on first or second unit power play opportunities in Nashville. Um, of course, we've got to talk about Jack Hughes. First overall pick from this past draft in Vancouver. He's also 98% owned. I don't know what two leagues wouldn't, two percent of the leagues wouldn't have him in it, but uh, he only put up 160 points in 74 games in his draft year playing for the uh, USA development team. Uh, he is 5'10", 171, and was drafted by New Jersey. So his he'll be playing behind Nico Heischer for this season. I suspect that he will um, take over the number one position as soon as later on this season, but potentially uh, next year. Uh, the other roster competition he would have to get into the second spot would be uh, Travis Zajac. Uh, other roster competitions would be... Um, Pavel Zaka and Ryan McLeod, so not real strong competition for Jack Hughes there. So he's looking at a very likely second-line center, um, but potentially first-line center by the end of the season. Um, teammate of Jack Hughes in New Jersey is now Nikita Gusev. So technically, he's not eligible for the Calder because he's like 27, and I think 25 is the cutoff. Um or something like that, but he's only 64% fan tracks owned, so I'm just going to ignore the fact that he played a few extra seasons in the KHL before he finally came over, which made him too old to be eligible for the Calder, because he's super-duper relevant. So the 27-year-old, in his last two seasons in the KHL, posted 82 and 62 points in 62 and 54 games, respectively. Uh, his only competition for a roster spot on the wing is Taylor Hall. He's better than anyone else. Um, Palmieri, Jasper Bratt, Wayne Simmons, not a challenge. Uh, so this is a player who is absolutely going to be top six, uh, if not first line minutes with New Jersey. Um, super fantasy relevant. Uh, speaking of the draft, the second overall ended up being Capo Caco. There was a lot of conversation. Uh, conversation who would go first Hughes or Kako Kako or Hughes Hughes or Kako it ended up being Hughes and Kako falls to the New York Rangers at two and is the highest drafted New York Ranger of all time that's the highest the Rangers have ever picked as an original six team I find that shocking anyway he's 98% owned of course uh, 6'2 194 18 year old looking to play first or second line minutes um, so let's talk about the Rangers here. Again, we talked about Kravtsov on the wings. So you've got Bushnevich and Panarin, I think, as locks on the first line. Um, potentially the left or the right side. Uh, so that puts Kako on maybe second line right wing, competing with Kravtsov, uh, Fast, Philip Hedl. He's got a roster spot is basically what I'm saying. Uh, and then the... Not final. One more player to talk about on the wing. Uh, Ottawa Senators prospect again. This time it's Drake Batherson, which might be a surprise for some people on this list. He is only 58% Fantrax owned, uh, which is one of the lower ones on the locks. He and Dante Fabro. Um, so the 21-year-old winger uh, certainly comes into the NHL, um, passed over in his first draft, picked by the Senators, uh, second or mid-round, somewhere around there, and then made his pro debut last year. So he's 6'3", 187, so it's not like he's a little guy. Uh, he does everything really well, 
He had 20 games in the NHL last year and put up three goals and nine points, so about half a point production in the AHL as a rookie. Uh, was dominant for Team Canada when he played for them at the World Juniors and was dominant as a rookie in the OHL, sorry, in the AHL last year with Belleville. 62 points in 59 games, um, just fantastic. Uh, he's got a top six roster spot, I'm certain. Uh, Brady Kachuk is the only other player that's that's guaranteed there. And then, you know, Connor Brown would be his next best competition of players that would be in front of him on the depth chart. Um, other competition for a top six position for him would come from Bobby Ryan, Anthony DeClaire, Max Verono. Uh, so you see what I'm saying. Not a lot of competition for roster spots in Ottawa. So the top prospects should have good seasons. One last player to talk about going back to the blue line, Quinn Hughes, defenseman with the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of buzz about him. He played five games in the NHL last year at the end of the season with the Canucks and put up three points. Not bad for a defenseman. Uh, his final season in the NCAA with Michigan last year, he had 33 points in 32 games, so about a point-per-game production as a defenseman. Uh, he also played for USA at the World Junior Championships and was really impressive there. Uh, plus, he played for USA at the World Championship, put up another three points in eight games there. Uh, roster competition for him is a little bit tougher than it is in Ottawa, but it's not bad. Alex Edler, they added Tyler Myers. You got Tanev as three players I would say would be ahead of him for regular minutes in Vancouver. Troy Stetcher and uh, Ben would be his rounding out his competition for, for regular minutes. So look for him to get uh, prime power play minutes and then bottom pairing minutes as a rookie maybe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if by Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, he's their top defenseman. All right, so that's all the players, and now I'm going to rank them from, from 25 to 1 overall. And the way I've done this is I took a look at two different resources. I used uh, the Dauber Prospect Report and the Forecaster Magazine, and I took a look at where each one of them forecast these players, and then I gave the player my own forecast worked it out on an average so coming in at number 25 it doesn't include the goalies by the way coming in at number 25 is Nashville Predators Eli Tolvanen his average projection worked out to be uh, 11 points so between the three of us we averaged out at projecting he'll have 11 points not terribly impressive hardly Calder worthy uh, just a little bit ahead of him at 24 is Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Jake Bean. Uh, his average projection was 13 points. And then another defenseman comes in at 23, Detroit Red Wings' Oliver Kasky, uh, 18 points. Uh, 22nd ranked player ended up being another Detroit Red Wings prospect, Philip Zadina. His average point projection was 19 and he was just behind Calgary Flames' Dylan Dubé at 21 points. Then we have a three-way tie with 26 points. So 18-19-20 is Jordan Cairo, Owen Tippett, and Ryan Paling. All three forwards averaged a 26-point projection for the season. And then we're going back to the blue line. 27 points for Dante Fabro at 17 
And then at 16 is New York Rangers. I almost said Carolina. Sorry about that. New York Rangers defenseman Adam Fox with 28 points. And he tied with Ottawa Senators forward Logan Brown, who ranked 15. Uh, just behind his teammate, Eric Brandstrom, Ottawa Senators defenseman, forecast at 29 points. He tied with Anaheim Ducks winger Max Comtois with 29 Coming in at number 12, are we going back to Carolina with Martin Nechash, 31 points. And he finishes just behind the 11th place, Alex Texier of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who tied with Vitaly Kravtsov. And Cody Glass comes in at 9. He had an average of 33 points. And coming in at 8 was Sam Steele, Anaheim Ducks, 35. Number 7. Detroit Red Wings coveted free agent from NCAA, Taro Hirose, with a 40-point average. Number six, I ranked him a little bit higher than some of the other publications, I believe, but I had Drake Batherson, and he averaged out at 44 points at six, and uh, still have two defensemen to go. Number five, so two defensemen in the top five for the Calder race this year is pretty impressive. Number five, Quinn Hughes, 47 points, and number four, Cal McCarr, 49 points, tied with Capo Caco, second overall draft pick from this past draft with the New York Rangers. He finished third. First overall pick, Jack Hughes edged him out, surprisingly, a little bit to me. Uh, so Hughes had 52 points. And then the number one ranked is a guy that's not even eligible for the Calder, and that's Nikita Gusev. But just to illustrate that, he has uh, 64, so he is way out ahead of all the other Calder candidates on this list. Um, rightfully so. I mean, he's 27 years old. He's in his prime. And I, I really can't illustrate how confident I am that he should outscore all these guys. All right. So that's it from my little ramble and rant about the upcoming season and the rookie of the year race. Now let's do a little interview talk and bring on my guest, Braden Olofsson. All right, interview time, Dauber Prospects Radio, and I am joined by another Dauber Prospects writer, uh, friend of the show, regular, Braden Olofsson. Welcome back to the show, Braden. Good evening, Peter. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Uh, so just a reminder for anyone who uh, hadn't caught you on any of the previous episodes you've been on, uh, you have previously been our Tampa Bay Lightning prospect writer, but you have switched your affiliations uh, recently, haven't you? Correct. Yeah, I uh, I worked my way up the Dauber Prospects rankings there with uh, with the Lightning, and I was fortunate enough to get my get my foot in the door with them. They had a pretty good prospect system while I was writing for them, and uh, I've switched gears now to the Rangers, who also have a pretty kick ass prospect system now. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, timing is That's everything. Right about. When you came on with Tampa, they needed a little bit of cleaning up, I think. And, uh, you know, you're a, a very consistent and thorough writer. So you pretty much got them up to the point where you're I think you were getting kind of bored, right? Like everyone had been updated that season and there wasn't yeah, really I, much to say that hadn't been said. And we were kind of going through New York Rangers writers and trying to find someone with that same level of commitment. So moving you over to the Rangers was uh, advantageous for us. Um, now you've got the Rangers all nicely cleaned up and, um, lo and behold, their prospect pool is super deep. So you've got lots of juicy players to write about there as well. Yeah. Yeah. In Tampa, it was, uh, I kind of felt like I had got to the point where I was familiar with uh, a good chunk of their, their pipeline and, you know, had a good grip of what was going on there. And I was fairly interested in the Rangers system. 
at the time. My wife kind of got me on that kick, and uh, it's stuck so far. So, so far, so good there. And uh, they're they're keeping me entertained. That's for sure. A uh, nice a nice assist to the to the wife there. Got to like the shout out. Like the shout out there. <laughs> yeah, she'll appreciate it. Did she help you with your DPFHL draft preparation as well? Um, I sat in the coffee shop for the for the draft there uh, while I waited for her to finish up uh, up work across the street. But uh, I I don't know if she'd be too familiar with any of my picks for, for that one. But oh, okay, uh, we can't remember. Did I get Did I get any Rangers? If If not, she uh, she won't be too impressed with it. No. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about the draft. Um, I had Joel on. I had uh, Mason on uh, interviews today, and those will either be on uh, one big long episode, or or we'll split this up into separate episodes. Either way. Uh, so we kind of covered off how their draft went, and in case you missed any of those interviews, I'll just give the listener a little bit of uh, context for the league settings. It's about a sixteen-team league, and we have full rosters, fifty contracts. So you got a full NHL roster, a full bench and uh, a full prospect team as well. So like 25 prospects. So this league goes pretty deep. Uh, Two of the more interesting components of it is that it's a hard salary cap league, which means you can't give away players or just drop them as as free agents. Uh, You have to wait until their contract expires or trade them or buy them out, which is very challenging with some players. Um, And it's a rotisserie head-to-head style league. So Brad and I will go head-to-head one week, and whoever scores the most points for Goals wins the goal category and hits wins the hits category and whoever wins the most categories wins the league or the week. So our draft consisted of all of the entry draft players, of course, and the college player players that signed free agents after their season ended European players, uh, same deal. And then any other players that were unsigned. And there is a significant player pool of free agents available because as you can imagine in a league, that's just about uh, two thirds full or a half full, really, um, and a hard salary cap, you, you can't fit everyone in. So, like, John Traveris is a free agent in our pool. Um, so there's a lot of NHL players who are eligible to be drafted as well. And some teams were able to to draft prospects and NHL players because they had contracts free up or had players like me. I had Phaneuf bought out, and I walked away from Wayne Simmons' $5 million new contract. So... So I inherited like $12 million in cap space. So I was able to dip my toe into the NHL talent pool as well. Um, so we already reviewed my draft when we had uh, Mason on. So let's just take a look at how you did here, Braden. Sure. Line me up there. It's uh, It's been a, a, a week now, and I remember being happy with it at the time. Um, but it's kind of slipped out of slipped out of my memory a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see how I did, though. Right. So in the, your first pick, fifth overall in the first round... Um, some people think you might have stretched here. I, I don't think so at all. Some I, I people might have think. Him. Some people think you him. might have got him right in the right spot, and some people think maybe you got him a little bit uh, late. I'm in the category of a little late. I had him in my top four, and that's Vasily Podkolzin, Vancouver Canucks prospect. So some people might be a little gun shy here because the whole Russian factor, and it's at least two years before he comes over and plays anywhere else. And I'm like, whatever, man. Most of these players are two years away anyway. So what yeah. difference does that make? Yeah. Um, I think you got to steal, especially as I explained the format of the league. He's going to provide a lot I, of the peripheral stats too. I think he'll be a monster. I think he's. I think he's perfect for the league. Um, and like you say, you know, anybody outside of of our top picks um, in in Capo Caco and Jack Hughes, they're going to be two years anyways, right? So I'm I'm waiting either way. Um, it, at that point in the draft, 
I'm happy with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that he might slip to nine. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm okay with getting Cole Caulfield at, at nine anyways. I had him yeah. it, in that four was, or five it range fun, It was a fun top ten, wasn't it? You know, I, I was going to be happy with, with whoever I got at that point, I think. You know, um, you saw my second pick. So uh, as long as I didn't, you know, botch, botch my first pick, uh, I was going to be happy with it, I think. Right. So in the second round, you actually had two picks. Uh, your first one came at 18th overall, and um, you picked Eric Gustafson. And this is yes. where homework comes in, because if a player like Eric Gustafson was available in the league, I mean, he had a, a tremendous breakout season with Chicago Blackhawks. He's moved all the way up to their number one defenseman. And as I mentioned, it's a it's a contract league, and he's he's got a good cap hit. So that would would be an amazing pick. Almost, had, almost like you think he would have been maybe drafted already, right? Well, like I said, a lot of NHL players were available in the player pool. So I don't see why you wouldn't think you know, twice it, about it. it seems, but you got to do logical. a little more research because there's more than one Eric Gustafson. <laughs> it seemed logical, I thought. So um, we use fan tracks for our uh, our league management and we use their their draft room. And they have this nice little handy flag system uh, for different colored flags for different color contract statuses, you know, red for injured, uh, green for the minors, and then blue for free agent. And he had a blue flag, which should have been a red flag for you, my friend. It, it was a red flag. Well, it didn't kick in right away, but uh, it, it kicked in eventually. It, it, it took... Uh, uh, Yoki was on the on the chat there with us, and and uh, he's pretty familiar with with the guys overseas there. Uh, Gustafson being a uh, a Scandinavian prospect who's actually playing in the SHL, so that was a bit of a woof there. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. These things happen. At least you weren't auto drafted. That would have been the worst. You're <laughs> not stuck with names. you're not stuck with a nine million dollar contract. Yeah, it could have been worse. He could was a, he was a cheapy cheapy. Uh, Entry level, whatever we have our settings set to, I think it's 750k there. So, yeah, hey, you could bury him in the minors because he's not an NHL player. I I dropped him. There you go. <laughs> there there was plenty of guys to pick up after the draft. So yeah, uh, okay. And then you 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 regained your uh, your dignity with your next pick nicely, 28th overall. Uh, you went defense again and drafted Cam York. Why do you like yeah. Cam York? So I I had I thought I had my D man there, um, and and I'm kind of shallow on the on the uh the d side there in the league um cam york obviously not going to come into the league this year but philly's had a lot of luck drafting defensemen um and i don't know what it was if it's the red hair or if it's if it's philly or what it is but i think i think cam york's underrated he's got a he's got a pretty strong offensive game and he's going to get the peripheral stats playing you know a physical game on the blue line as well so I think he's a, I think he's a pretty solid pick there. Um, I thought he he was kind of in that range, anyways. So I was happy with it. It's uh, it's certainly not a reach. I like that pick also. Um, you had two picks again in the third round. I don't know second. where all these picks came from, to be honest with you. But trades, man, trades. You're I active guess, in. I guess you're I, active I guess in I league. was active last year. Yeah. Yeah. So you had 32 and 34, and you went uh, Nils Hoglander and Jacob Pelche. Now, you went Eric Gustafson with your first second round pick, and he's the only NHL player. Everyone else that you picked is a prospect. Did you have yeah. like a strategy for that, or is that just, just the way it shaked out um, with who was available in your favorites and your pick I, list? I don't have a whole lot of room to fit in, fit guys into my regular lineup, you know? 
Um, I need, I need guys in the prospect pool um, that I can kind of shuffle up who I already have there and, and be flexible. Um, so that I had to stay flexible. That was, that was where I was going there. Basically I needed guys to be minors eligible. Right. Yeah. I had a, a kind of different, different need. I had some, some players that I got rid of on my main roster and I liked my prospects. I, I got really happy with the players that I have there. I didn't really have any prospects that I wanted to dump. So I just took a look at, you know, to make room for my five picks. I was like, okay, I got to pick five guys who are free agents or are prospects that I can do better with out of the draft. Um, so I had a little bit of both, which was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, good mix. Yeah. So Hoglander and Pelche, which, what uh, attracts you to those guys? So I think I got Hoglander first. Is that right? You said 32nd. Yep. So, I, I think he's a bit of a train. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, he, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of him, um, and it, and it always seems like he's, he's, you know, ru- rushing the net hard. Uh, he, he, he plays, you know, a bit of a wrecking ball style that, uh, that's, that's good to get from a forward. Um, so, you know, at thirty-two, it, I think everybody's list is kind of deviating a little bit. So. I was just going to go with the guys that I had on my list, and and he was the first one up, so I went with it. The next guy, um, Jacob Pelche, I I really like how he plays. He's a really strong offensive style of player, um, kind of like a little firecracker. Um, it's kind of the, the words that I use to describe him. Uh, he he goes to the net hard too, but he's a smaller guy, so he might not be quite as strong in those peripheral stats. But I think he's he's kind of a I don't know if you call him a boom bust, but I think he's got a, uh, I think he's got a relatively good floor uh, at the next level. But uh, again, we'll we'll see we'll see where he goes. But I think he's got enough grit to his game that it sh- it should push him through to the next level. And I think he'll have some 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 early success actually uh, in the AHL, kind of like uh, some of the guys that I saw go through Tampa's system. I think. Right on. You didn't have a fifth round pick at all, so your last pick was in the fourth round, and you took uh, Porker Einen. Uh, yeah, Nikolai Prokhorkin. I is how I would say it. I, I, oh, I don't man. know. So I, I, uh, I think I traded for that pick kind of in the draft, I, and I can't remember who I traded with. If it was Lucas or uh, where that pick came from. But I, I only had picks in the first three rounds, and then I felt like there was a lot of guys up there that I still kind of wanted to get my hands on, and he was one of them. I waited until two picks away from from lucas's pick there i think it was lucas that that we made the deal with there and waited till till i kind of saw who was going to be available and i was happy with what i saw so um again it was just the just the first guy i I think it was a a third round pick next year so um hayden's talked a little bit about expanding the league um i really wanted to get another pick I just thought it was it was worth the third round pick. So if we're going to do an expansion, that third round pick again is going to be maybe even lower than what this pick was. That was the that was how Lucas convinced me to get a get a third round pick on me. And and if it wasn't Lucas, I can't I can't remember off the off the top of my head who, who exactly it was. But uh, and in any case, um, a third round pick. I don't know. It's it's a future. So right now I'm not too worried about it. I'll take that stance on it. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. All right. So that uh, wraps up your contribution to the uh, Dauber Prospects draft. That was a fun draft. And that's why I'm in hockey pools anyways, is for the draft. Um, I'm really reluctant to trade draft picks unless I'm acquiring them. Uh, I just like I just like doing draft homework. Uh, I watch a lot of junior hockey all year, so it's all about the draft for me. Uh, so let's, right. 
right? That's the fun part. All right, so let's change gears here and let's talk a little bit um, of the queue. You moved out to uh, to the East Coast. You're yes, our, you got the eyes in the rinks in the queue. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. So let's start with talking about players that are graduating out of the queue and turning pro. And uh, looking at the OHL, there's a bunch of high-end players. Looking at the dub, there wasn't. Uh, and looking at the queue, you've got a nice little mix of both right at the top of the scoring leaders. Um, so let's start there with Peter Abadonato. Um Overage player. Little undersized, I think. 111 points, though, in 68 games. Undrafted, signed as a free agent to a AHL contract with Syracuse. Did you have any opportunities to watch this guy play much? I didn't. You know, uh, Pete, I, I got out in uh, in January. Uh, I saw a lot of the Sea Dogs play. Um, Abadonato is not a player I'm super familiar with, um, but, I, but he's going into a good system um, in Syracuse. So if, if a guy's going to sign an AHL, AHL deal, um, you want it to be in a place that, you know, fosters uh, good growth. And, and Syracuse has done that really well with, with uh, their associations with Tampa. Um, so they've also had a lot of luck um, bringing guys up through their system that have kind of been late bloomers as well. So that's the case with another Q uh, veteran there in uh, Alex Barbelay, who, who might have a chance to, to come up into play with Tampa this year as well. So, like I say, I don't. I'm not. I'm not extremely familiar with with uh, Abadonato himself, but uh, but he's going into a good situation, I think. Yeah, and you've got players who have these breakout offensive seasons when they're overage that went undrafted. Um, those are some sort of red flags for me. I mean, it's hard not to like 111 points in 68 games in any league, um, but I think he only had like less than 30 goals out of all that. So there's a lot of assists there. Um, so if this is a player that you're thinking about targeting for fantasy hockey, uh, I don't even think he has an NHL contract yet. So maybe just kind of put him on your watch list and see what he does at the pro level, playing against players his age and older. Uh, temper your expectations. Next player on the scoring leaders list from the dub was Ivan Chekovich. He was right behind him with 105 points. They were neck and neck for all season. Uh, so Ivan Chakovich is aged out, San Jose Sharks drafted player, although it was in the seventh round, 212th overall in 17. Um, he's a player that had a really impressive season, uh, played a little bit in the Subway Series, looked great doing it for Russia. Um, I don't think he made the World Junior roster, though, if memory serves me correctly, but, you know, 105 points in 66 games, that's pretty solid. He's turning pro. What do you think of Chekovich? So Chekovich, I actually I did have a chance to get out and and have a look at there last year um, in St. John. So when when uh, Big Homo came to town, um, I remember kind of just uh, just scanning the ice, just getting an idea of of who was all out there, um, if there was any names that f- were familiar, and and he was there, um, but quite honestly, he he didn't stand out as um, what I envisioned being a projectable NHL player. Um, Gabriel Forche, actually, who's a, who's a Tampa prospect. Um, I think he was a second-round pick the last year that I was writing for, for Tampa. Um, he, he played really well. Um, Chekovich, though, seemed uh, almost uh, chopsticky is, is a word I would use for him. But, uh, he, you know, he, he'll probably have some success in the AHL level, and that's not to say that, that he'll totally dive bomb. He's certainly outplaying his, his seventh-round selection. But um, like you say, he's, he was a 20-year-old playing in, in a junior league, and, 
and 100 points, you know, how many times have we seen 20-year-olds score 100 points or, or, or 19-year-olds score near 100 points and, and just just never never take the next step? So 43 goals is, is great, but, but like I say, we, we've seen guys do that before and it still takes some time or they don't pan out at all. Um, so that, the, the way I saw it, he, uh, he, he might, <laughs> might turn out, um, but I, I really wouldn't bank on it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't bank on Abadonato. I would say he's at the low end of the spectrum. I and mean, we got three tiers with these top three players here. And I put Avin Chekovic right in the middle. I think he's one of San Jose's uh, more promising prospects. Maybe it's for lack of competition, but whatever. Uh, I still think he's one of their better prospects. Um, he's going to take some time for sure, so he may or may not pan out. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he's got a higher probability than Abadonato. And then the next guy I want to talk about who is... I think pretty close to a slam dunk would be Joe Valeno. Granted yep. exceptional status, drafted in the first round by the Detroit Red Wings, 30th overall. I thought that was way late, and he's looking like he's proving me right. He had 104 points as an 18-year-old last year in, in the queue. Because of the exceptional status, he's uh, eligible to age out and turn pro. Um, I would fully expect him to play this coming season in Grand Rapids. Yep, I'm on board with you there, Pete. Um Valeno, I, I haven't seen it seen him play live. Unfortunately, uh, Drummondville didn't didn't make it back to St. John, where I probably would have had a lot of opportunity to see Valeno play had he had he stayed in St. John, where he was where he was drafted into the queue. Um, but but like I say, he skates like the wind, um, and he's got a wicked shot too. He 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 by a hundred times should have should have gone higher in that draft, in my opinion. Um, wh- whatever it was that that made him slip, whether it be in a, a good draft or um, just you know last last minute changes in in teams lists, I don't know what it was, but but uh, I think he he's certainly a better player than than thirtieth overall there. Um, and and actually back to uh, back to Ivan Chekovich, um, something I di- I didn't actually notice before was that he he played a, a handful of games in the AHL last year. Actually, at the end of the year, he he got on with. With the Barracuda, Barracuda in the AHL, excuse me, and uh, had had near a point a game actually in the AHL. So again, I could be wrong there, but uh, he's he's already already shown to have uh, some success at that level, and and he's going to get the opportunity, like you say, Pete. He's gonna he's gonna play higher in their depth chart, and, and he he could get a shot, and and could prove me wrong for sure. Something that I, I've a trend that I've spotted is, and it's a cautionary tale, is players who finish the season in the AHL after coming out of junior um, quite often can do really well and score you know a point or a half a point per game in a really small sample size. Um, and I don't know what all the reasons are. Maybe the team they're they're playing for they're going up against non-playoff teams, so you know the the level of intensity might not be super high. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Whatever the reasons are. Um, yeah. And then you you see this and you're like, shut the front door. This guy's amazing. He's going to score a Step point right a game in, in the AHL. That means he'll be at least a 40-point player in the NHL. And then he ends up scoring 20 points all season in the AHL, playing a full season. Right. Um, maybe it's because of deployment. They're giving him primetime minutes at the end of the season when their season is, is no longer in question. They're like a, a non-playoff team. So, hey, let's bring these kids up and give them all the minutes they can handle. And they, they play really well. But then when the next season and the clock resets comes around, you're like, okay, veterans, <laughs> back, back to it. Back to you. <laughs> yep, back to the grind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I, 
I, I think I should stick to my guns with with uh, Chekovich. I, I think he'll be a, you know, he he could have a ceiling of 45, 50 points maybe, but um, more than likely, I think he's going to play, you know, his first first uh, four four years, three four years in the AHL unless he really has a breakout campaign. But but still, I, I don't see him scoring much more than than 35, 40 points in the NHL. All right, so let's uh, let's change gears one more time here, and let's keep it in the queue. But let's talk about some of the players that would be potentially coming up for the 2020 entry draft. And I think the queue is going to have a good season there. We go all the way right to the very, very top, and looking at like the probable at this point first overall pick, Alexis Lafreniere from Ramuski, uh, didn't play in the Holinka tournament this past summer um just a couple weeks ago because he played in it the year before um so i didn't get a chance to watch him there but saw him the year before and uh caught him in a few games last season um lot to like about this kid what stands out to you um just about everything i think across the board put up over 100 points as a 17 16 17 year old there last year um and and he's got a full tool belt um on his on his side i'm gonna get out and try to see him every opportunity i can this year um there's not going to be a whole lot saint john plays in a different different division kind of in the queue the way the queue's set up than ramuski um but if i have to i might even make the road trip out to ramuski uh it's it's probably the closest quebec team that we have here so um just just everything across the board skating uh his shot his his vision and the way he sets up plays in the offensive zone um, there, there really isn't a whole lot to nitpick out of his game. I don't think so. Um, he, he's basically a, a home run already. I think you can, I think you can pen him in. Uh, I'll play devil's advocate. He's a left winger. So if he has a good, but not great season, and then someone else who's a center comes along and has a great season, do you think there's a possibility that positional bias could I, usurp him as the number one pick? I, I'm, I'm, I'm biting my nails here, but I really, I really don't think so it would it would have to be on par with with players that we've seen go first overall in the last couple seasons I really think Lafreniere has put up enough proof in his 16 and 17 year old years and in international competition um, really driving the play physically and offensively I I think he has a full tool belt and I think teams have probably seen enough from him already to to really really have a concrete idea of what they're getting in that kind of player um positional bias aside well not not aside positional bias included i it, it would have to be an outstanding centerman to who also brings those tools to uh to their game to really overthrow the friend yeah i think yeah i think i i kind of agree i mean quentin byfield's a center who could do it but right now i mean anything can happen right like a guy who's not even in the first round right now could have such an incredible season that he moves all the way to number one. Yep, we've seen uh, it in the past, yeah. Sure, so that could happen, but... And don't get me wrong, I, I like Byfield too. Um, obviously, he's got, you know, just... just um, I think I think he's got a similar tool belt to Lafrenia. I don't know for sure that he has the same um, poise and and uh, vision. He's, he's certainly got the physicality and... Uh, the determination, I think, to uh, to have a you know a high compete level and and succeed at the NHL level. Um, 
I think Lafreniere just just has a, a, a sixth sense, almost so to speak, that uh, that that is is a half tier above Byfield. So another center who could even come out of the queue and challenge him would be uh, Hendricks Laperriere. He had a really great um, Halenka tournament, uh, eleven points in five games. He's a Shakutami center. Uh, have you had a chance to watch this kid play? What do you like about him? Actually, in St. John, yeah, last year, Chikudami, uh, since I since I moved to St. John, Chikudami came twice, I believe. Um, and and Lapierre, he's he's great. He he doesn't stand out like Lafreniere does, um, but he, he doesn't look out of place as a 16-year-old that he was, 17-year-old um, this year. Um, actually, actually, last year while I was watching, he probably would have been 17 already. Um, but he's got the size. Um, I don't think he's huge, but but he, like I said, he doesn't look out of place. He he plays at the same pace as the the eighteen and nineteen year olds that he's playing with. So I think he's probably a, a good mid to late first round kind of talent. Um, he could be that that middle six type of forward, um, and 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 should probably transition eventually to the NHL. I, th- I think he's got. I think he's probably got the tools. Um, he he's not going to blow you away right away, but um, I think he plays at at the right pace to uh, to make make a jump eventually. Yeah. All right. Anyone else from the queue who you think deserves a little fantasy spotlight before we move on? To be honest, this it might be a, a hometown bias, mind you. I've, I've been here only for for eight months, but I've, I've gotten out to see the Sea Dogs a lot. And I like, I like the 17 year olds that are playing here in St. John. Um, there's a kid by the name of Brady Burns, uh, a crafty little forward. Uh, he's not huge, but, but he's got some pretty wicked hands. Um, he doesn't get a whole ton of ice time uh, for whatever reason, you know, St. John didn't have a great team last year, but um, he, uh, he's got a lot of offensive talent and I think we'll see, a pretty half decent uptick in his in his points this year, and he he could climb up the draft charts as well. So I think in some lists that I've seen, scouts have him going kind of in the third fourth round range. Which at this point, you know, he could just as easily drop right off the board. Um, but I think we'll probably see the opposite. I think he'll I think he'll maintain his kind of third round status. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a whole two hundred foot game, but. But I think his offensive tools are 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 pretty uh, top notch uh, for that for that range at least. Another kid by the name of Josh Lawrence, who does play more of a two hundred foot game. I think he could probably wind up getting picked in the second round this year. He's a pretty sharp sharp kid. He skates well and uh, he gets the puck to the right areas. He's a good good uh, again not uh, oversized, not really undersized, but uh, kind of in the middle there. He cycles the puck well and he gets it to the right areas. So I think, think he could find himself in the second round this year. Um, and then Jeremy Poirier is actually another 2002-born player, uh, defenseman who plays like he's 18 and 19. I think he could probably see himself getting picked in the first round this year. Um, not a super offensive defenseman, but a, but a steadfast kind of guy. Not unlike other guys we've seen come out of the queue in the last couple of years, Jared McIsaac in in Halifax, who's 19 and is gonna gonna play in Halifax again this year, I think, right? So, not a whole lot of offensive upside that I see from him quite yet, but but another guy who's probably gonna be interesting to watch this year. 
so another player in the okay. queue that that I'm interested in uh, following, and will be playing with Lafreniere, so I should be able to get to see him quite a bit, is uh, Calgary Flames prospect Dmitry Zavgorodny. Um, mm. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's in his final season of the queue, if memory serves me correctly, but uh, I think he's a player that might be kind of having a breakout playing with Lafreniere, and you might see a rise in his fantasy hockey stock. So if you have him, definitely not a time to sell. If you don't have him, definitely a time to buy or put him on your watch list and, and see if this little uh, prediction is correct, that he has a, a monster season. Yep. I uh, I wrote about Zabgarotny there last year, right after the draft, or uh, not not too far into into the season there in the queue. And I thought, man, this is a guy who went almost in the 200s in the draft by Calgary, right? And and he's already, I think at, at the time, he had already hit 40 points in close to 40 games. You know, he was, he was uh, it seemed like, outperforming his, uh, his draft status already. And absolutely, probably a factor of uh, playing with Lafreniere. He's, he's, he's right up at the top with him. And you're going you're gonna to get the residual kills there, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's a uh, that's a lot of Q talk. Before I let you go, let's uh, let's take advantage of the fact that you write for the New York Rangers, who are one of the deepest teams for prospects, and have a boatload of players that we could probably fill a whole episode on. Uh, so let's start with some graduating players. Uh, they have at least three players who I would say are locks to make their roster this coming season. The job is theirs to to lose, and they would really have to blow it to not make it. That's uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, Kapokako, and Adam Fox. Uh, mm-hmm. We see an eye-to-eye on these three players. Is there anyone I'm missing? Yeah, as much as I'd like to uh, to, to give it back a little bit to you, I, I, I really can't argue. Um, Kako and, and Kravtsov should, uh, should both have spots on the right wing, I think, to start the year. Whether or not we see either of them start in the top line, I, you know, I, I, think, I think they have to, to do a little bit of shuffling. Whoever finds their their way on the side of uh, Mika Zibanejad, I think is going to have a really great start to the season, whether it's whether it's Kako or Kravstov. Um, but I think both of them great long term potential. Uh, Kako probably higher than Kravstov um, by 15, 20, 25 points long term. That's just you know spitballing, but uh, great great long term potential from both of them. Uh, Kako, great physical game, right? Uh, we've we've heard it all about him. Uh, Kravstov, pure offense, um, <clears throat> great great shot. Um, I think I think Ranger fans are really going to like what they see from him. So uh, he hasn't played it all in North America yet, though. So that's that's going to be uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes for him. There's a chance maybe maybe that he gets sent down to uh, to play in the AHL for the Rangers farm team, but. I think I think a lot of Ranger fans would like to see him start and and finish in uh, in Manhattan. So, Adam Fox, um, he uh, he absolutely should start in Manhattan as well. But um, the Rangers made a lot of offseason moves, you know, so um, he might not get the deployment that that some uh, fantasy owners are hoping for. Um, but I, I think we can expect some yeah. power play time from him. Yeah, he's no. got some some competition with uh, Shattenkirk, Truba, Shea, even D'Angelo. I mean, those are all players that can run yep. a, run a power play. So yeah, I think he'll play. Uh, I think he will play the, the team this season. I think he'll be in an insulated role. So I think you just gotta 
still be patient with him if you're a fantasy owner. I think the other opportunity you might find a player force his way into the roster would be in goal. And that's if, I mean, Lundqvist is 37, so he's a little bit long in the tooth and gray in the beard. Um, so there's potential for injury there or just also potential for sand running out of the hourglass. Yeah. Uh, the other goalie they have in their system is Alexander uh, Georgiev. And even though I own him in one of my fantasy leagues, and I kept him over Jordan Bennington a week before Bennington exploded, and I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I'm still not, um, I'm still not a super believer in Georgia. So I think there's a lot of potential scenarios where goaltending could come undone in New York, and that's okay because they've got other guys in their system that they could turn to that I think will be all right. Um, Igor Shosturkin is coming over from uh, from Europe. Olaf Lindblom, who also is a top prospect goalie tender, goaltender that they have, and Adam Huska, who's coming out of college and turned pro. So there's going to be a lot of competition for yeah. the heir to his his kingness. So I, I got to let you know here, Pete, my wife's giving you an extremely dirty look from around the corner talking crap about the Rangers goaltending. But uh, <laughs> not that you're talking crap, Longquist in particular. Um, but uh, I think she'll get over it once she sees what the Rangers got coming out the pipe, I think. Um, yeah. Also, I don't think Fox is going to have to worry too much about Shattenkirk. He's in Tampa now, so nothing to worry about there. Um, right. In in the goaltending pipeline, though, um, Shesterkin is going to come over from Russia, where he's been outstanding for the last four, four, four or five years playing for Ska. So they've got as stud of a stud as you can get in a goaltending prospect there i think um he's he's a when i watch chesterkin i think of you know he's he's a hybrid of an athletic type to a technical type he's got he's got a lot of tools and i played net in minor hockey and i just think i just think he's got just about everything that you can expect from uh or for an nhl level goalie you know um I'm excited to see what he's got uh, playing in North America. I think he's going to start in the AHL, though. Unfortunately, for Ranger fans, they might have to pick up and watch some Wolfpack games. Uh, Lundqvist is still going to hold on to that crease for as long as he humanly possibly can. And uh, I think we'll probably see Georgiev backing him up for a good chunk of the season. Um, that's not to say Shesterkin maybe won't get a call up throughout the year. I think they'd be wise to give him an opportunity at least and and, uh, and see what, what they can put him up against. Um, I think he'll have all the success in the world in the AHL. Um, but we've seen we've seen different things happen there again too. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think he's uh, I think he's got all the tools to certainly take over that crease in the next two years, I would say. Past that, Olaf Lindblom, Lindbom, excuse me. Um, is going to still stay over in Sweden this year, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure if he's playing in the Allsvenskan or if he's moving up to the Swedish Hockey League this year. But uh, either way, that's the best best place for him. The Rangers got a logjam in their crease in the minors, and they really don't have any room for him right now. So where he is is where he'll stay, and he should probably have a lot of success there. Excuse me. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of competition on a very young Rangers team and it's competition for roster spots anywhere on the roster. And then there's going to be some 
jockeying for a position in there as well. So looking at the forward ranks, you've got a number of players who are under 25 years old, like um, Bushnevich, Brett Howden, Kravtsov, Brendan Lemieux, Elias Anderson, Philip Hedl. Um This is going to be a really, really young and I think exciting team to watch because when they're when they're clicking and they're doing well, they should be very entertaining and offensive. And because they're so young, there's going to be some nights where it's really ugly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's inevitable. Unfortunately, they they look like they have all the potential in the world, but we're still going to crap the bed every once in a while. I think so. Um, it it is what it is. But I, I think we'll see a lot of good and we'll see some bad with it. Um, but like you say, it's it's funny. It's funny how much perspective changes over the course of a year. I remember when I started writing with the Rangers, um, probably a little over a year ago. Uh, it's just funny the players who were considered the top tier of their pipeline at that time. And, and where they are now and the kind of the competition that, that they have internally right now. Keandre Miller, uh, Matthew Robertson on, on the left side defense um, have kind of hopped in with the group of Igor Rykov, Libor Hayek, uh, Sean Day's in there if you really want to still consider him much of a prospect. Um, and then they brought Zach Jones in in the draft this year, Jacob Ragnarsson. Like they, they have a really interesting left side defense um, defense overall really Nils Lundqvist on the right side Joey Kean, Anthony D'Angelo is still listed as a prospect on Dauber prospects but like we we know he's he's uh probably stuck in the NHL right now so um but but across the board on their blue line um it's it's really exciting it's a lot of uh, mid-range names I think that we'll probably see playing the NHL in the future um so I'm I'm excited to see their blue line how that turns out for sure yeah, I've I've been doing top ten prospect rankings for each team for a number of year ne- years now for my NHL trade rumors, and the Rangers have long been a team that it was a struggle to come up with ten players that were worth talking about, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And if, if I'm a Rangers fan, I don't think I've ever been more excited to be a Rangers fan because it's kind of like what's going on with the Leafs, where they're they're, they're the the high end salary teams that traditionally and historically have always just bought their players just overspent on players to get talent and free agents and whatnot and that just doesn't fly in the nhl anymore you can't be successful with that model you have to do it through drafting and developing and the leafs are doing it really well um they were terrible for a number of years and they paid their dues for it and now they've got tremendous young talent uh but the rangers they they went up the leafs they uh they didn't have to stink for a decade no you know, they, you know, they turned this around overnight. And I think this is a, a formula that if you're a fantasy hockey team, even if you inherit a crappy team from a league and you just sign in and you're like, yeah, I'll take over your worst team. I just want to play fantasy hockey. You don't have to do the whole five-year rebuild thing. You know, scorched earth and build it from nothing up. Yep. Look, look at what the Rangers have done and how they've done it and just avoiding bad contracts, good cap management, trading for picks, trading for prospects, and uh, before you know it, you got a full cupboard of of prospects, and a year or two later, they're all developing, um, and you're laughing. And I, I just hope the Rangers are are one step ahead of the Leafs. Um, I'm a Leafs fan myself, but but I hope the Rangers manage their system a little better than the Leafs have so far. We're seeing kind of the trouble they're ended up in now. But I think I think the Rangers are in a position where they're going to develop these prospects kind of at the right rate, where they're going to be able to move players around and and kind of kind of find some trade trade chips excuse me in their roster 
and in their pipeline and, and move them out before they end up in the crappy situation that the Leafs are in right now cap-wise. The, Le- the, the Rangers, excuse me, are are tight against the cap right now as it is with, with Panarin and Zabinijad and some of the big contracts they still have left. But they'll, they're going to find their way out of those contracts probably before guys like Matthew Robertson and I, w- I would expect actually Keandre Miller to be in, in the Rangers lineup next year, if not the year after for sure. Um, but but they're gonna. I, they seem like they're on the right path um, to to not end up in that situation that we we see the Leafs in right now. Yeah, yeah. Their 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 GM Jeff Gordon has has done a tremendous job, um, and he definitely deserves a a high five. I, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Uh, that's about uh, all the time I think I want to steal from you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and and coming on the podcast, man. Um, so if uh, people are listening, want to see where they can uh, find you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? It is Olaf, O-L-A-F-1393. So that's that's me on Twitter. That is a very memorable Twitter handle there, bud. Like, uh, uh, like Olaf Lindblom, there you go. Lindblom. There you go. There you go. Uh, and, of course, you can find your writings, uh, Dauber Prospects, covering the New York Rangers for us. And uh, you do the journey for Dauber Hockey as well. There's a tremendous article that you just did a little while ago, um, a couple days ago, I should say. And it is a, a, a league preview for the CHL and talking about the top teams. Uh, so if you enjoyed listening to this episode and the other ones with the Dauber Prospects where we talk about each league, um be sure to check that out. It's it's totally awesome. Uh, anywhere else we can catch your writings or anything like that? Just uh, just on Dauber. Right on, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if I'll see you in the rink because you're way out east and I'm in Ontario, so yeah. that's we'll, unlikely. We'll see. If I if I if I make a roadie back home, maybe at the I'll, draft. I'll, I'll meet I'll you in the middle of the draft. It. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah. There, Montreal, there you go. Right. Yeah, man. All right. We'll see you there. Thanks for your time, Braden. All right. Thanks, Pete.